This podcast may include some content that's not suitable for children. I honestly can't remember. Hello, welcome to Unsolicited Thoughts, coming to you from not the closet, uh, not the physical closet this week, uh, but from uh, under the duvet in our bedroom, where a different sort of magic is happening, not anything uh, sexual, not not witchcraft, um, but the magic of podcasting. Um, this is episode 10, which feels like something of a milestone. I never thought I'd get to double figures uh, in podcast. I never thought I'd get to double figures in age, if I'm honest. I watched uh, My Girl when I was maybe seven years old, and yeah, spoiler alert, it fucked me up. Um, apparently the first time I was stung by a bee after I'd watched My Girl. Might have been a wasp, but uh, you know they're impossible to tell apart. Um, I actually stopped praying and saying my goodbyes. I don't remember the the praying or the goodbyes. I must have blacked out. It was supposedly pretty shrieky. Um, but I do remember the bee or or wasp, whatever, stung me because it flew into my uh, Diablo. I was just out there spinning and, and juggling in the park, tossing it, practicing my cat's cradle, grinding some coffee. And the bee must have taken offence to me or, or to the Diablo. They're, they're an acquired taste. And um, yeah, the bee just sort of lashed out. Presumably the bee died. That's the the bee sacrifice, right? And uh, and what for? Nothing really. A, a true waste. Um, an even bigger waste if I'd been like Macaulay Culkin in my girl. Boy and bee dead. Uh, Diablo without a home. Uh, anyway, uh, we've made it to episode 10. I've made it to 33 years old. So uh, we're exceeding expectations all around. A um, little bit of follow-up from last week. It was drawn to my attention that in my review of the results from the uh, listener survey poll that I failed to mention what the response was to the uh, cash incentives question. Basically, I asked if uh, a cash incentive would affect how readily you would recommend this podcast to, to a friend or to an enemy. The original idea was that um, by asking that question, I could see who, um, out of you, the audience are the, uh, for want of a better word phrase, money-grabbing bastards, money-grabbing bees, sorry for the uh, fruity language. It was a sort of test, if you like, but it backfired somewhat as, yeah, 100% of you, every single one of you said yes, uh, a cash incentive would affect how readily you recommend the podcast. Actually, if I'm being honest, and I'm not sure how, I had more yes responses to that question than I had uh, respondees, responders to the whole listener survey poll. Um, so yeah, you're all, you're all money grabbing bees, but in the end you're, you're my money grabbing bees. And I guess, you know, deep down we're all money grabbing bees, aren't we? Um, I am the one doing ad reads after all. A smooth segue into, uh, the ad reads. Um, I had a, a really strong response from the listeners to the, uh, Champ Champs ad read that I did last week. Lots of enthusiastic comments. But I had a less good response from Champ Champs, the actual company. Apparently, so many of you took up the offer that Champ Champs basically undercut themselves and now they're facing bankruptcy. So that's very unfortunate. Sad to see the back of Champ Champs, but uh, I'm glad that the ad read had impact. Uh, Note to future advertisers, do your maths, do it thoroughly uh, before you approach me for an ad read because once the ad is read, uh, is read, you know, you are... Your yeah, your hotcakes are are going to sell, sell like even even hotter 
hotcakes, uh, something like that. Um, a little bit more follow-up. I mentioned last week that I'd like to hear from anyone called Ash Wednesday or Ashley Wednesday. Uh, well, exciting news. Uh, Ashley Wednesday got in touch. Well, one Ashley Wednesday, because I'm sure there's many, many more out there. Um, this Ashley Wednesday said that uh, the day largely passes without remark because he has for the last 20 years or so uh, gone by his middle name of Hercules rather than his Christian name of Ashley. Uh, so there you go. Uh, one perspective on life as uh, an Ashley Wednesday or, or as an Ash Wednesday on uh, Ash Wednesday. Um, I didn't hear from any leap year babies. Um, if you're out there, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you, hear what that's like. Uh, but I did hear from a Valentine's baby. Uh, Graham from Shop Shropshire got in touch. Uh, he was born on Valentine's Day 1944. Uh, he's a retired headmaster, a parish councillor and head of the Neighbourhood Watch. And uh, you'll be excited to hear that myself and Graham are now collaborating on a sort of a sexy modern rom-com based on Graham's experiences as a Valentine's baby. Uh, so yeah, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Hulu, all the streamers, uh, like the bidding war start now. Uh, working title of Valentine's Baby currently, uh, more precisely Valentine's comma baby exclamation point, uh, you know, visualise that. Um, yeah, I'll keep you updated on how myself and Graham progress with uh, the movie. Okay, that's enough follow-up. Uh, you know what time it is. You don't even have to check your watch or, or your phone. It's time for listeners' questions. Uh, first question from uh, Rochelle, 18, from Cardiff. Hello, Rochelle. Hello, Cardiff. Hello, Wales. Um, she asks, what TV competition would you be best at? Ooh. Uh, definitely not MasterChef, because uh, I'm not good with fancy food, and I don't think I would handle the pressure very well especially with uh, Greg leering and, you know, licking his lips as he does. Um, I couldn't do the voice because I've sung to the backs of people's heads before and it's thoroughly demeaning. Uh, I couldn't do I'm a Celebrity because I'm not a celebrity. Um, I'm still a bit freaked out by Dragon's Den uh, because I used to have a recurring dream where uh, Evan Davis and the dragons conspired to trap me in the lift that goes up to the, uh, the dragon's loft. Um, I still hate lifts now. Uh, and loft spaces uh, and entrepreneurs actually um i make a belting flapjack so maybe maybe bake-off would be an option it's part of my five-year plan so yeah who knows um mass singer that's also part of my five-year plan um definitely intrigued by that show um i would never claim to be uh, the most amazing singer not on a, a technical level but i always give uh, sort of maximum effort when i'm singing and I really have found that uh, my confidence skyrockets when I wear a mask. Honestly, if there is one positive to come out of this pandemic, it's how much swagger I've gained walking around in a mask. I honestly look bow-legged at times. There's just so much swagger in my my jaunty little walk. Um, like most people, uh, I've often dreamt about scoring the winning goal in uh, in soccer aid and then being, you know, embraced by all my Celebrity teammates, uh, you know, a wink and a thumbs up from Ollie's Murr, um, high fives from all the, the JLS boys, uh, Damien Lewis, you know, gritting his teeth and running towards me and giving me an intense, sort of spirited little, little headbutt. Um, Bin Shepherd and Robbie Williams as mate lifting me up on their shoulders and parading me in front of the England fans, everyone cheering. Uh, Jamie Theakston sticking two fingers up at Patrick Keelty. You know, Bradley Walsh, indifferent to it all as ever. Um, 
but again, I'm not a celebrity, so Soccer Aid uh, and Mass Singer, actually, not currently an option. Um, yeah, everyone would be very confused if I took the mask off in Mass Singer. They wouldn't have a clue who it was. Um, they'd probably ask me to put the mask back on. Uh, okay, what other game shows are there? Uh, well, uh, as a kid, um, I always thought I'd be amazing at Crystal Maze. I used to recreate the uh, the Crystal Dome um, with leaves on a windy, blustery day, stuffing my homemade bl- uh, boiler suit with with sort of the valuable, um, valuable as I class them, the, the valuable am- amber leaves, and um, trying to avoid all the the yellow and brown leaves because they counted against the amber leaves. Um, yeah, I used to do that a lot. I got pretty good. Um, my reactions got so quick uh, in the end that I once grabbed a bird out of the air mid-flight and stuffed it in my suit. Um, the bird survived, but it did count against my uh, final tally of amber leaves, sadly. Um, yeah, that was quite frustrating, but um, yeah, maybe if I got out there and practiced a bit more leaf catching, I could you know, get back up to my previous standards. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll choose Crystal Maze as a competition show I'd be best at. Uh, next question from Mitchell in Cumbria. Hi, Mitchell. He asks, um, is podcasting all a bit of a fad? I don't see it catching on. No way, Mitchell. Um, yeah, no way. Pod- podcasts are, they're here to stay. Um, I know podcasts pretty well, but what I know better than podcasts is fads. I know fads very well. I'm a maximum fadder. I've gone hard on fads, um, as I guess you're supposed to, and then and then just as easily drop them. Uh, like, yeah, well, I guess like you're supposed to. Um, I've tried all sorts of fatty diets, but they generally just leave me feeling faint and seeing things uh, all backed up. Um, mindfulness was the opposite, actually. That gave me the runs. Um, I tried some sensory deprivation type things too, uh, and almost always felt like I was time traveling, which was it was actually pretty cool, but I don't think that was the aim. Um challenge myself to say yes to everything for a week and within 20 minutes I was in the back of an unmarked police car didn't get arrested luckily I think the crying and and praying saved me but yeah that was another nonsense fad um I dabbled in yo-yos but they yeah they ended up being a bit of a fad in the end um I dabbled in diabolos too but uh, they didn't last if uh if the beard only known um heelys were garbage uh, and dangerous, especially if you forgot that you were wearing them, as as I regularly did. Um, what other fads have I tried? Throwback Thursdays, I guess that was a bit of a fad. Um, I never liked it. Whenever I'd post an image from my childhood, people would start asking how they could donate money. Um, what else? Flash mobs, they were a bit of a fad too. Um, the only flash mob that I joined ended up being a bit of a cult, really. Sort of resembled a cult. Um still technically part of that flash mob slash cult um still get the newsletters and the odd uh whatsapp message but i uh i pretended i'd moved house and um moved to a, a completely different area and and stopped attending meetings so definitely on the periphery um just need to cancel the direct debit and i'll be i'll be free um so yeah uh back to your question mitchell podcasting not a fad it's here to stay um at least i hope so because uh i'm 10 episodes in and yeah, there's no turning back now. Uh, next question. Uh, I listen to your voice and feel an intense sense of connection. That's nice. Um, it's like I've known you for years. How would you explain this? A nice, uh, fairly intense question there. Sounds like my sister. But 
it is, it's not. No, uh, it's from Jerry in Dublin. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Dublin. I uh, would love to come see you. Um, Dublin, that is, not not Jerry. Uh, I don't know if I can explain that sense of connection, Jerry. Sometimes these things are inexplicable. Maybe my voice reminds you of someone. Maybe, though, we're aligned uh, in some deeper, unexplainable way. Um, I used to have the same poo schedule as someone else in my office. Didn't know the fella, but we always arrived at the toilets at the same time and pretty much finished at the same time, too. Uh, even when I tried adjusting my schedule, adjusting my diet, delaying my poos, we would still always uh, bump into each other on the way to the toilet. Um, it would have been awkward, but I think we both understood that uh, the connection we had, it went deeper than awkwardness. And really, um, we were both unwilling to break, you know, one of the unwritten rules of shared toilets in workplaces. Uh, thou shalt not discuss your poo or a colleague's poo, uh, unless it's, you know, really disgusting. Um, yeah, try to reduce toilet talk in the office. Um, that was one of the policies. So, yeah, um, Jerry, I would just embrace whatever connection we share and don't question it. Uh, saying that, I, I did do some voiceover work for the Flash Mob slash Cult I was part of. So uh, if you've seen any of their videos on YouTube, then you've probably heard my voice already. Um, that might actually be the real explanation. Uh, okay, next question from Trudy. Um, no location, Trudy asks. Uh, you said you have a wife. Uh, can you tell us about your wedding? Uh, no need to tell you about it, Trudy. You can watch it. Um, it briefly went viral. Um, you can find the full length wedding video if you go to youtube and type in hancock harper wedding um or you can find the much shorter viral video if you um go to youtube and type in uh, some combination of groom nosebleed vows um i gush blood when i'm really nervous it yeah happens quite a lot uh next question from tash uh, who's from portsmouth pompey across the water um tash asks uh, are you spontaneous um I've thought about this before. I think I am, uh, but I have come to realise that spontaneity may just be uh, in the eye of the beholder of that spontaneity. Um, for example, I would describe my driving as spontaneous. My wife would probably call it reckless. Uh, similarly, I would describe my moods as spontaneous, but my family and friends uh, might call them erratic. Uh, same for my decision making. I would say spontaneous. My family and friends would say uh, maybe foolish. Um, like I would describe my decision to eat a whole jar of peanut butter just before bed as spontaneous, but my wife would probably call it greedy and a bit unnecessary. Um, and like uh, hanging up mid-phone call, to me it's spontaneous, uh, but to my ex-colleagues it was quite rude. Um, another thing I have come to realise, the more I've thought about spontaneity, is that spontaneity can be really important for a relationship, especially a long-term relationship or a marriage like I'm in. Uh, it just keeps things fresh, keeps you on your toes. Um, but I have additionally learned that there is a very, very fine line between doing something spontaneously and uh, a jump scare, essentially. Um, that's how I learned my, my wife knows self-defense. Um, and believe me, I learned I learned the very hard way. Uh, I needed pins to put my shin back together. Um, but we can laugh about it now, so that's good. Uh, what time are we on? Okay, yeah, um, we will take a quick break, but then I'll be back with a story. Uh, intriguing.
we're back. So uh, recently I was rummaging through my mum and dad's loft and found uh, loads of my old stuff from when I was a child. Um, I found my old school reports. Um, the feedback was fairly generic, um, intermittently bright. That came up quite a lot. Um, a lot of comparisons to a 100 watt light bulb that's on its last legs. Um, I also found the annual team profiles we did for my old football team. Uh, this was quite interesting because each year we were asked what our dream job will be. This went right through from uh, eight years old to 16 years old, pretty much. Um, and obviously most people put footballer every year. Um, but looking through them, there was a marked drop off from about 14 onwards um, where people stopped putting footballer. I guess reality hit at that point. Uh, Reece Stanford, our right back, his dream job went from uh, a footballer at 12 to an entrepreneur at 13, to a binman at 14. Not sure what happened there. Uh, he's a party clown now. Um, Eddie Bloom, our goalkeeper, he puts solicitor every year, and, and he is now a solicitor. Joel Dunnus, one of our centre mids, uh, he's the only person who stuck with footballer throughout from 8 to 16. Um, he's a tattooist now. Uh, my dream jobs, uh, they fluctuated massively. Uh, I wanted to be a footballer when I was 8, uh, an angler when I was 9, that was my fishing phase. Uh, then came my sort of writerly phase. Uh, I wanted to be an author when I was 10, a poet when I was 11, and then poet laureate when I was 12. The ambitions really spiked spiked upwards there. Um, then a complete change, of course. I wanted to be a pub landlord when I was 13. And then I demoted myself by the time I was 14 to barman. Um, my confidence must have taken hit. It was probably puberty. Um, but then I got all fancy at 15 and put mixologist. God knows where I learned what that was from. Um then at 16, and I know exactly who did this, but I won't sink to naming them. My actual answer uh, has been tipexed out and replaced with hand, which has then been crossed out and replaced with blow. Um, neither, neither of those are, are, are types of jobs I was particularly interested in, even at 16. Um, and that was pretty much when I decided to leave the team and stop playing football. Um, I wasn't going to have my reputation debased any further I'd basically become the de facto ball boy and my dad who was the manager regularly used me to set an example berating me for my performance in front of my teammates even though I never played um and when I did finally crack and said you know daddy I'm leaving uh, he just said son you were never registered which I think says it all really um anyway yeah sort of lost my track there um what I also found while I was up in the loft was a series of stories I wrote. Um, I think, I guess during my writerly phase, um, all about uh, a young boy called Reuben and his adventures flying around in his magical car seat. Uh, they're kind of sweet uh, adventures with some true crime thriller elements. Um, I thought it'd be quite nice to share them with you. So uh, the one I'm reading today, this is part one of a story called A Stranger from the Past. Reuben soared upwards, bursting through a cloud. Above the clouds was a vast, eerie quiet, the stillest place on earth. Reuben turned. In the distance was a plane, a massive passenger jet, its wings slicing through the clouds. The faint hum of the engine grew steadily louder. Reuben wanted to wait for the plane, to wave to the passengers and see their faces when they saw him, a small boy hovering above the clouds in his flying car seat. A miraculous sight. But Reuben knew he shouldn't have been up that high, and if the pilots saw him, they'd report him. It had happened once before and caused something of an international incident. Reuben's mum and dad were very angry and upset. They said it wasn't the height that had frightened them so much as how far away he had been, 
halfway across the Atlantic Ocean without even a note to say where he was going. They had filed a missing persons report. When he did get back home, they threatened to take the car seat away. Ruben had pleaded with them. He'd apologised profusely and made assurances that he would never go that high again or travel across oceans, and to leave a note saying if he was going to be away for more than a night. In the end, his mum and dad relented. Ruben was both very smart and very manipulative, and a risk-taker. Accepting that he'd better make himself scarce from the plane's flight path, he dipped back down through the clouds towards the ground, many thousands of feet below. Ascending was easy. Once you were beyond the skyline, everything was just a big open playground. The descent was much more tricky, a process that should have been done gradually and with great care as the noise and frequency of obstacles to avoid grew and grew. But Ruben always took the direct approach, pointing himself straight towards the ground and accelerating, scattering flocks of birds, swerving past the tops of buildings, playing chicken with the ground below. From afar, it looked like a death wish, but Ruben knew exactly what he was doing. At the very last, with mere metres until he would crash into the earth, Ruben span around onto his back, leant forwards and dragged himself out of the death spiral and into a controlled upright landing, the bottom of the seat almost silently coming to a rest on the ground. Ruben might have enjoyed the near-perfect descent a little more, but something had caught his eye. On the high street up ahead, he could see what looked like his mum and dad. Weren't they supposed to be in work? He unclipped himself from the car seat and ran after them. He shouted, Mum! Dad! But they didn't hear, and he was starting to lose them in the crowd. He tried to push through, but everyone was so much bigger than him. How frustrating he found being grounded. When he wasn't in his car seat, he was just a little boy like any other. He ducked and weaved through small pockets in the crowd. He shouted again, Mum! Dad! For a moment, he thought he saw his mum's head turn slightly, but then they carried on striding away from him. Finally, sensing that he was about to lose them, he did what no little boy should do. He hopped down from the pavement and into the road, a bus lane, and, with only a small margin for error, sprinted around the crowd, ignoring the tooting horn of the oncoming number 37 bus, and let back on the pavement ahead of his mum and dad. They both stopped, Reuben hunched over, trying to catch his breath. Didn't you hear me shouting? He glanced up at them and froze. The man and the woman weren't his mum and dad. They didn't even really look like them, only from afar. He felt embarrassed, but more than that he felt scared. Flying across oceans in a car seat was no problem for Reuben, but strangers, well they represented real danger to Reuben. He remembered the talk at school. He remembered rumours of strangers approaching and trying to snatch children. Perhaps he could just apologise and disappear back into the crowd. Perhaps the man and woman were friendly and might tell him not to worry and wish him well on his way. I'm sorry, Reuben whispered, still struggling to regain his breath as he began to panic. The man and woman said nothing. They glanced at each other and smiled, two big creepy grins. Then the man reached in his pocket and leant towards Reuben, offering out his hand. Want a sweet little boy? Ba ba ba. Dramatic cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, that was part one of A Stranger from the Past. Um, Ruben, as you may have guessed, is loosely based on me. I used to have a car seat that I loved to sit in and pretend I was having all these adventures. Uh, we didn't even have a car when I was growing up, uh, now I think back. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed part one. Um, I hope that you were gripped. Um, if there's a decent enough response, I'll probably probably read part two next week. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.